the time, we don't always realize how much we need Him. We need Him for salvation. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And Jesus is the answer to heaven, and is the answer for the Christian life as well. And if you're trying to live the Christian life in your own strength, you're going to be discouraged and defeated. You can't do that. Now, the Apostle Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, is writing this letter from prison. Now, how many are glad they're not in prison this morning? All right. How many would rather be in church than in prison? Yes, they're a happy, happy crowd this morning. All right. Philippians chapter 3 this morning. It doesn't matter what you're facing in life. It doesn't matter how many trials you're going through. There's one thing we ought to all remind ourselves of, and that is we need to be like Jesus Christ. Someone said this, that sometimes people aren't repulsed by Jesus. They're repulsed by our misrepresentation of Jesus. Now think through that. When people look at your life and you say you are a Christian, are they repulsed by the way you live your life? By your lack of love? by your kindness, by your generosity. See, we're supposed to be lights and salt. We're supposed to attract people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul was a magnificent Christian. I cannot wait to get to heaven to meet Paul. I just think of the temperature in heaven this morning. Be perfect, all right? It won't be cold. But Paul had a difficult life. He had been saved about 28 years by this time. Uh, he's in a Roman prison, and Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, he said that I may know him. Now that's something that all of us need to strive to do, is to know Jesus Christ. We can know about him, we need to know him. And even in prison, Paul knew the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now think of this, uh, if there was ever a person that seemed like they knew the Lord Jesus Christ, it was the Apostle Paul. And yet, after being saved for 28 years, he said, I want to know him. And he says, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made, more, being made conformable unto his death. It's easy for all of us to get distracted and sidetracked. Life happens. Maybe you woke up this morning and some people maybe woke up to frozen pipes and I mean, your day completely changed. Maybe Monday morning you wake up and uh, your car won't start. I mean, life happens. And those things in life can distract us from God Almighty. Life is not easy. It'll get harder and harder the older you get. And we live in very unusual times. But I'm thankful for this, that God desires for us to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if... Um, the Apostle Paul was a sports fan. Uh, he many times uh, illustrates the Christian life with an athletic event, boxing, um, racing as he does in this one, fighting, wrestling. I don't know if he watched chariot races or what, but this, these are the words that the Apostle Paul wrote in prison. I love it. In verse 3, or verse 12, he says, in chapter 3, he says, Not as though I had already attained. Have you ever met anyone that felt like they arrived? That, you know, they have all the answers? 
You don't want to be around that person. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer this morning. Lord, I ask that um, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, you know our needs. You created everyone in this auditorium this morning. Lord, I think of all those who are watching by live stream and those who could not make it this morning. Lord, encourage their hearts as well. Lord, help us to focus on you this morning. You are a great God, a great Savior. Lord, help us this morning because of hearing your word that we would grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. What motivates you? What motivated you to come to church this morning? You say, Pastor, good question. It was my spouse or it was uh, my alarm clock. Uh, I, I got all those covers. And I said, no way I'm coming into church. Motivation is so important in life. I, uh, on Facebook recently, uh, saw some pictures from a friend of mine that I went to high school with, Mark Yetch. He's a basketball coach at Pensacola Christian College down in uh, Pensacola, Florida. I remember those days when he was in high school with me and he'd come by early in the morning, an hour and a half before school started. It was still dark out. I don't know what we were thinking. We were crazy up in Wisconsin where it's a lot colder. And he'd pick me up and we would play in the gym for about 45 minutes and then we would change and go to school. And I didn't think about school. I thought about basketball practice after school. But what motivated me, motivated me to do that? The game of basketball. What motivates hunters, and many of our hunters aren't here today, but what motivates them to get into a tree stand and sit in that tree stand for eight, ten hours during the day? I remember years ago, Doug Richards went uh, deer hunting over at Camp Insurance, and he said he was in the tree stand for ten hours. I said, what did you do? He said, just sat still. That's ridiculous. I think of some of our hunters in this church, and uh, uh, they'll spend three or $4,000 to go out to Wyoming or out west, and uh, uh, they'll spend all this money in, in, uh, for gear and uh, a hunter's license and a permit, and, and they drive all the way out to uh, the west to go hunting. And I've told them many times, you know, I could buy four or five cows by all the money you spent going out west. They said, what's well, the thrill of hunting? If you asked the Apostle Paul what motivated him, Jesus Christ. Now you think about that. Does Jesus Christ ever motivate you? Does he ever motivate you to do right? Do you ever get up in the morning and say, I'm going to please God today because Jesus has been so good to me? I mean, he died on the cross for me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. He loves me more than anyone else loves me. I love Jesus because he first loved me. And if you think anybody had ever arrived, it was the Apostle Paul. He wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Now, I've never had anyone say, hey, 
Would you like to uh, write part of this book? I've had people ask me to write articles before, but not a book. And especially not in the Bible. Man, just think how many people have read the Bible. The Apostle Paul wrote 13 books in the Bible. He was chosen by God to share the gospel to the Gentiles. He was a great theologian. He was a great church planter. He was a great missionary. He was a great soul winner. Yet Paul says, I have not arrived. I remember over the years in the ministry, I've talked to a lot of older people that uh, had lost their wives and they were probably in their 80s and ready to go out into eternity. And I never forget the conversation I had with a man. And I, I said to this man, I said, uh, what are you living for? He said, you know, every day is tough. He said, getting old is not for wimps. He said, it's hard. And he said, but I'm thankful for this. Every day I'm alive, I can become more like Jesus Christ. That should be our motivation every day. Because see, as we grow, we mature, and the trials of life won't knock you down as much as they did before you grew in the Lord. I think of my son, of course, he's uh, married now, but when he was uh, four years old, Jonathan, he had those light-up shoes. Any of you ever had kids with light-up shoes? I mean, he'd walk, run all around with these light-up shoes, and this was years ago, and man, he wanted people to see his light-up shoes, and one day he came over to me, and he was almost in tears, and I said, what's wrong? He's like, well, a knot in my shoe. I thought, a knot, and you're going to have a meltdown over a knot? But you think about kids, you think about some adults, they just fall apart over something minor. And the more mature you get in the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you can handle problems in life. So if you're taking notes this morning, first of all, Paul's admission. Paul was very transparent, very honest. In verse 12, he says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Now, we don't like people to think we're not perfect. We haven't arrived, all right? And especially when you get into an argument with somebody, and, and you're right, and they're right, and so, so they Google it, and they find out they're right, and uh, you're still going to argue. Uh, Paul said, I haven't arrived. Now, those around Paul thought that, wow, there's no way I could be an impossible Paul. But Paul said, compared to the Lord Jesus Christ, I have a long ways to go. Now, ask yourself this morning, do you have a long ways to go? We all do. You're not going to grow if you think you've already arrived. And too many times we compare ourselves to someone worse off than we are, we think. Uh, we think, you know, I go to church more than this person. I've been saved longer than this person. I know more about the Bible than this person. And I've never been to jail. And I'm a lot better off than this person. You know what they're probably thinking? I'm better off than you are. <laughs> Folks, we need to compare ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, not as though I had already attained. Paul said, I have not arrived. I have a ways to go. And if you folks, if you think this morning you have arrived, you will stop growing. Sometimes people won't come to church because they say, you know, I don't need church. Uh, sometimes people say, I, I don't need the Bible in the morning. I don't need to pray. They think they've arrived. Folks, none of us have arrived. There is not a person here that is perfect. 
I remember years ago after I preached a funeral, we had a, a full house here, and after I uh, finished preaching the sermon, I went to the back, and a guy met me in the, in the foyer, and he said, uh, I disagree with your message. I'm thinking, stand in line, not the first time. And uh, he says, I believe you can become sinless. And in the message, I said, we're all sinners. We're far from being perfect. And he said, um, I, I'm, I'm, I've attained this sinless perfection. I was ready to say, it was a visitor, I was ready to say, can I talk to your wife? None of us have. We may think we have. Charles Spurgeon, years ago, he had a bucket of water, and he was walking down the road, and two guys came up to him, and they were going to impress Charles Spurgeon. One guy says, hey, Brother Spurgeon, we, um, both of us, we arrived at sinless perfection. The second blessing of God. And uh, uh, we have arrived, and uh, we don't need to grow anymore. We don't sin anymore. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but I read in a book, and Charles, everything you read in a book is true, or like everything you see on the internet is true. Right? So Charles Spurgeon, then, he took that bucket of water, and he poured it on these guys. They did not respond in a godly way. They got mad. And he said, I, I thought so. So much for your sinless perfection. So Paul is saying, I have not arrived. That's his admission. What do you tell other people? Maybe inside your heart you think this morning, oh, I haven't arrived. One man said he's so tired of pastor. He said, I'm so tired of hearing people tell me about what they used to do instead of what they're doing right now. What about your prayer life? My prayer life can increase. Did you pray for your country today as the Bible commands you to? Did you pray for your enemies? Did you even spend any time in prayer this morning? What about your Bible reading? Did you spend any time listening to God this morning through the Word of God? And you wonder why you make so many mistakes in life and your life is so hard and you're not spending time with God daily? What about telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ? When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Because you were concerned for their eternity, where they're going to spend eternity. A number of years ago, a number of years ago when I was just graduate from high school, I uh, was invited to spend the summer with a friend of mine named Scott Ziegler. And Scott has a large church up in Wisconsin or in Chicago area. And so we went to La Crosse, Wisconsin, and in La Crosse, it's, uh, there's a, a big bluff there, and I was working at a, a job, and I forgot how much I made, and it paid great money back then. That was a long time ago. And uh, Scott was a fun guy to hang around with. And uh, Scott said, let's go up to Granddad's Bluff. I said, all right. And uh, uh, you could see the bluff from La Crosse, and we drove up, and I mean, it took a long time to get up a windy road all the way up to the top, and I remember one time... He said, let's go camping. I said, all right. He said, let's go camping Granddad's Bluff. Now, I'm surprised I can tell this story today. Because he said, why don't we set our tent up, a little pup tent, at the edge of the bluff? So stupid. I mean, it's like a 200-foot drop. And we're like a foot away. <laughs> 
Isn't, isn't this great? I'm like, oh yeah. You see, you can see all the lights of the city. I didn't even think about it. What if I had gotten up in the middle of the night and was sleepwalking and walked on that? Well, I remember one time we were driving up and he had his Volkswagen and I was in the passenger side. We were going around to the top of the Grandes Bluff. And as we were going around this road, I saw a man's body on the side of the road. I said, Scott, that's a man. And so he pulled the Volkswagen to the side of the road, and I got out, and he got out, and I ran over to this guy, and there was um, a cliff that he must have been trying to climb. And I don't know why I said that. I said, sir, sir, are you all right? Of course he's not all right, but are you all right? He kind of, he kind of moaned, and his head had blood all over it. And he said, oh, I'm all right. He says, just, just go on, go on. I said, you need help? He said, oh, I don't need any help. So then he struggled to get up. He took a step and he collapsed again. Now, this was before cell phones, all right? And some other cars had pulled to the side and they finally got, uh, someone got a, went down and got a phone and they called and ambulance came. The guy had a concussion. And I wonder how many times in the church we say, I'm all right, I'm all right, we're bleeding spiritually. We have some sin problem we're dealing with. We're a wreck, we're discouraged. I'm all right, I'm all right. Paul was not that way. Paul was honest. He was open. He said, I have not arrived. Secondly, this morning, his attitude. Now, remember, the Apostle Paul is using the analogy of running a race. Here's his attitude. Not as though I had already attained, either already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Now, to be honest, this one thing probably isn't even on our list. He said, this is my priority. This one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And I have some encouragement this morning for you. Remember, Paul's considering uh, these people are running a race. Don't look behind you. And what Paul is saying is when you run this race, forget those things which are behind. Now, it's impossible to forget some traumatic experiences or even some good experiences. Paul's not talking about that. Paul is talking about don't let it affect you today. I was on the phone talking to a lady from a different state several days ago, and uh, she said it's just something that happened 11 years ago. She said it still bothers me every day. It affects me every day. Folks, it doesn't matter what sin it was. It doesn't matter what hurt it was. Would you give it? And she asked me, she said, how do you get rid of this? You just got to keep giving it to God, giving it to God, and giving it to God. Too many times we let the past affect us today. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ. Wow. I don't know if I've ever met anyone that would say that. Some would say, for me to live is money. For me to live is school. That person is kind of 
crazy. For me to live is sports. For me to live is the party life. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And when Paul says, for me to live is Christ, that to live means, in the Greek, to come alive. Have you ever been around someone that just seemed kind of dead? Like they stayed up all night and you mentioned something, especially teenage girls. You mention a guy, they go, oh, whoa, guy. Or you mention sports to some guys, they, get, they come alive. What made Paul come alive was the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a question this morning. If Paul really believed Jesus Christ was all that he needed, the Lord hasn't changed. We're not going to find our satisfaction in anything but the Lord Jesus Christ. D.L. Moody said, it is better to say this one thing I do than to say these 40 things I dabble with. And D.L. Moody was a famous pastor in the city of Chicago years ago. They had the great Chicago fire before he was he had to deal with the fire in Chicago. He said he was in charge of activities at the YMCA. He was in charge of Sunday school promotions. He was in charge of administration with the church. He, he said, my hands were in everything. And he said, I was in charge of evangelism. But he said, after all those people died in the great Chicago fire, he said, I narrowed it down to one thing. To know Jesus Christ and tell others about Jesus Christ. Folks, time is short. Jesus is coming. Verse 12 or verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. That's what Paul is saying. I'm going to forget those things. They're not going to affect me. Uh, you can't get them out of your mind. Uh, maybe something bad happened years ago. Folks, don't let it affect your life today. Because God gives you enough today, enough promise today to deal with today. He puts enough on your plate. You don't need to borrow from yesterday. And you don't need to uh, put problems on in the future. We often read Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We often neglect those words, make you. That involves the will. That involves my goals, my wishes. If I'm saying, God, I'm going to follow you, I have to give up my way. I have to give up my plans. I have to give up my desires. What God is saying, you say no to yourself. You follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now all of our course is different this morning. We're not running against each other. 
But Paul said, you want to run? Get into the race. And the way we get in the race is we got to be saved and acknowledge that our goal is to be like Jesus Christ. You know, several people have said, Pastor, how, how do you know if you're really saved? I want to help you this morning because the Bible says in Matthew chapter um, 7 that many will say in that day, verse 21, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done this and that? And, and shouldn't we be able to go to heaven? And Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. It's not that you prayed a prayer when you were four or five years old. It's not that you grew up in a Christian home. Down south, everybody thinks they're a Christian because they grew up down south. They have all kinds of churches. You see, well, when I was five years old, I didn't want to go to hell, and so I repented of my sins. You know what true salvation is? Yeah, you repented of your sins when you were five, but you're still repenting today. Because it really bothers me when someone says, I'm going to heaven, and they have no life to back it up. Because God changes us. You may have all the answers. You may have, been grow, you may have grew up in a, a Christian home. But folks, it doesn't matter. If Jesus Christ doesn't live in you, you're not saved. Romans 8 9, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes in and he changes us. Yes, do I sin, but I feel bad about it. And if someone can sin and not feel bad about it, there's a real problem about their salvation. Paul's course. Don't look back. You can't change the past. Perhaps one of the biggest reasons so many of God's children are living defeated lives is because of guilt. I'm sure all of us, if we could go back to the past and undo it, we would, but you can't. You know what I'm thankful? That Jesus forgives us of everything. And someone once said this, when the devil reminds you of the past, remind him of his future. And the Apostle Paul in prison, he could have said, oh, I, I can't serve God. You know, I remember what I did before I was saved and how I would have Christians slaughtered. But Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, Paul said, I have one goal in life. It doesn't matter if I'm in prison. It doesn't matter if they're uh, uh, trying to kill me. It doesn't matter if things are going well, if things aren't going well. I have one goal in life. That is to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes sense to me. Because if Jesus Christ would come or if I die in the next five, ten years, I'm going to heaven for all eternity. And Paul said, right now we need to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, reaching forth means to stretch out as an athlete is running to the finish line. And they stretch their body out trying to win. And Paul said, that's how all of us should do it. It's not even on our radar screen many times. He said, you need to be striving to be like the, more, like the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul never 
got tired of Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't just for emergencies. Jesus was real to Paul. In fact, when he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What Paul was saying, if I live on this earth, it's for Christ. If I die, I'm in heaven. It's gain either way. We see the aspiration of the Apostle Paul. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I pursue. I choose. Let me just ask you a question this morning. When you got up this morning, did you think about Jesus Christ? He thought about you. Is it on your mind right now that I need to do this to please Jesus, not myself? Jesus loves me. He knows more about me than anybody else. He cares about me. Paul says that pressure is a mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. David Livingston, a great missionary, when he got off a boat, they said, where do you want to go? He says, I just want to go anywhere forward. How many treasures are we laying up in heaven this morning? This past week, how much time did you spend living for the Lord Jesus Christ? And we wonder why we're so empty when we're living for the things of this life that do not satisfy. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. One of the last letters that Paul wrote, he said, I know in my heart, I haven't been perfect. I haven't arrived. But I've been living for the Lord Jesus Christ. The happiest and the most joyful people I've ever met are those who are saved and living for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, folks, God keeps the score. Man gets it wrong a lot. And maybe someone has judged unfairly, but the true judge always gets it right. Growing up, I played sports, played a lot of basketball. And there were times when I committed a foul and they didn't call it. I was glad. But there were times when I got called for a foul. I like it, especially if you fouled out of a game. And sometimes you'd argue with the ref, you think, well, how could, you know, they let this one go and this one they called. And one thing, if you want to understand how not to be a popular guy, be a ref, okay? Because 50% of the crowd, they don't like you. And especially if it's a grade school game and, and you know, they're double dribbling, and you could blow your whistle anytime. And they're traveling, and uh, you blow the whistle, and you look up, and some dad got this eyes like, I'd kill you, ref. Why did you call that against my son? 
Folks, it's about Christ. I believe in American Christianity, we have forgotten Jesus. We come to church, it's about self and not Jesus. I watched this video someone sent me, and it's called The Insanity of God. It's about a couple that grew up down south. They went to the mission field. They packed their bags, and uh, he was pastoring a small church down south. He packed his bags and decided he'd move his family over to Africa. And while they were there, his son died. They had no electricity. They had to leave that country because every Christian got killed. And the whole video is about how sometimes God seems to be insane. Why does God do what he does? And it doesn't make sense. And maybe you've questioned God before. And so this man decided to go to China. He said when he arrived in China, he thought he was a giant. Because everybody was a lot shorter than he was. And he said he went up to the fresh meat market and he said that was a mistake because he said I didn't recognize any kind of meat on that cart except for shrimp. He says, no way was I going to touch it. He said, I don't know if the older Chinese ladies, um, he said, I don't know if they didn't like me or not, but they would spit at the, on the dirt in front of me. Well, someone said that he could go to an underground church. He was all excited. He traveled 13 hours by vehicle to this farm out in the country. He said when he arrived, he was there, all kinds of Chinese people. And they said, you can stay here and this is be your bed. And he said, there was a little bed. And he said, it wasn't bad. The problem was he had to share it with three other guys. He said, it was so. he said one time after he got done speaking, he was heading to get that bed first. And uh, they said, where are you going? Oh, I'm not going anywhere. But he said that the love that these Chinese Christians have for Jesus Christ is way stronger and deeper than our love. He said as he was speaking about Jesus Christ, you could just see the love on these Chinese faces. One of the Chinese men said, has Jesus reached America? Has he come to America too? And he said, yes, Jesus came to America. Oh, they were so excited. For the next about 15 minutes, they were just praising the Lord and crying and thanking God that Jesus came to America too. Then they asked him, what about the country he came from? Oh, what's going on with the Christians? And he told them how the Christians were being slaughtered. And so he went to bed that night, next morning. He said, the sounds of crying woke him up. He said immediately he thought maybe the authorities found out about the underground church and maybe they're here to arrest us. 
And he asked them, what would happen if uh, the Chinese authorities would come in and arrest and find out and arrest some of you? What would happen? They said, we would be in prison for three years and they would deport you right away. In fact, he said he couldn't believe it. But 40% of the pastors that attended that underground church for that special meeting had been in prison for three years. One of the Chinese men through an interpreter said, that's our um, grad class or grad school. That's seminary for us. How, how many degrees would you like? There's no way. In prison for three years, they don't really respect you. Unless you've been in prison for three years. And so he thought maybe the authorities came in and uh, maybe they discovered their underground church meeting. And when he got up, he thought for sure people were going to be arrested. But what had happened? Those Chinese Christians under persecution had such a burden for the people in Africa that they vowed to God that they would get up an hour earlier to pray. And so they had gotten up an hour earlier and they were praying and crying out to God for these believers in Africa. And folks here in America, we just get upset if somebody sits in our pew. We get upset if uh, our car doesn't start. We get upset if the restaurants close. And this guy had to ask himself this question, is Jesus Christ worth it? Folks, he's worth it. He's worth it. Because what these Chinese Christians said to this American missionary, in America, you believe the lie that religion is people's own business. We don't believe that. It's our business. Uh, we believe Christ is coming. Folks, if he came right now, would you go with him to heaven? We would be there for all eternity. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. He is the one in 2021, but he is the one in every age, every situation, every country. He's the answer. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.